0: i will be
1: That was Jimmy Levy with Take the Lead, um, and that song is a very powerful song with a very powerful message, and that's kind of some of the stuff in that song mentioned about who's going to put their life on the line, it's time to show the children what is wrong, what is right. It's a couple of the things I'm going to be discussing today as I also read from Acts. Today I'm going to be starting with Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Peter preaches the gospel, I'll be getting into that in a little bit. Uh, before I get into that, I do want to say a prayer. So that's going to be, um, I'm going to leave, going to leave myself in prayer now because there's no one else here with me. Uh, Yahweh has been putting on my heart lately that I need to do something to get a message out there to people, you know, and this is a good platform for that. And I also hope that the message is well received. People will come to see things in a different light, hopefully, and I will save some souls uh, Through doing this So with that being said I'm going to get into prayer now Yahweh I come to you today With The best intentions I just Feel like There's so much evil and violence in this world right now Something has to be done about it uh, I want you to guide me In what I'm to say today What I speak on as I'm reading through your word, give me guidance and you know insight into what I'm reading about to explain what these what's being spoken about in the in your word means so you can this message to people. Also pray, pray for your blessing over this, Yahweh, and Yeshua's name, the covenant with Yeshua. Amen. Alright. So like I said, I'm going to start in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Peter preaches to the crowd. It starts with, the Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is way much too early for that. No, what you, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And he's referring to... Whenever the apostles started speaking in tongues, I believe in the city of, uh, it was on the day of Pentecost. I'm trying to remember what city it was was in. Uh, Acts chapter 2 starts with, On the day of the Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of the fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. So this is in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered They heard their own languages being spoken by the believers. Okay? So these were believers... In Yeshua, in the Messiah, in in Christ the King, King of Kings. And the Jews accused them of being drunk. That's the only way they could be speaking in tongues. Some of the Jews accused them that they had to be drunk because there's no way that they could just have the ability to speak this language. Instead of realizing this was the power of Christ being bestowed upon believers in Him, the believers of Yeshua were given the power to speak in tongues, the native tongues these people to get a message to them, you know, to show them, hey, Christ is king, because even right after Yeshua left earth, after he was killed and resurrected, there were still people saying that there's no way he was the Messiah, there's no way that that was the true son of God, you know, and this was even in Jesus's day, okay, he was being denied, so the world, of course, to today is going to continue to deny Christ the king, because everything in this world is designed to work against Yeshua and the truth of the kingdom and the Messiah. Everything in this world is designed to work against you, finding a relationship with the Messiah and Yeshua and coming to him and repenting and confessing your sins and being saved and brought into the kingdom of heaven. The devil and the principalities of authority in this world are against Yahweh, Yeshua, the holy body, they are absolutely against it and they want to tear down as many people as they can and bring them with them into the despairing pits of hell where they're going to end up for all eternity. Because if you look, even in this time right after the Messiah had been crucified, resurrected from the dead, came back to earth, performed miracles in front of thousands of people at a time, there were still non-believers, there were still people saying this is not true, this is not the true Messiah. So, even in the days of Jesus, there were people that still could not see the truth for what it was. And here we are, 2,000 some years later, and it hasn't gotten any better. In fact, it's gotten worse. We're living in a world of chaos and despair and darkness, and it continues to get worse. The nonsense, the chaos, every day, it's not getting any better. No man is going to come save us. No form of government is going to save us from ourselves. The only person that can truly save you and save me and save the rest of this world is the one that came and paid the ultimate sacrifice. The one that came and gave his life, laid his life down for us to be forgiven, that took our sins on, on that cross. When he was crucified and resurrected a few days later and overcame death. So don't be fooled by the trickery of the world because even in the Messiah's day, there were still people denying. Alright, so let's continue now. So it goes on to say they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking our own native language. Here we are Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia. Cappadocia. Not sure how to say that name, that town. Cappadocia, maybe. Cappadocia, I'm not sure. Panas, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Sirene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd others in the crowd ridiculed them saying they're just drunk that's all so I don't know about you but I myself you know I'm not gonna lie I've been drunk many a times in my life and I know that was wrong and I no longer drink alcohol by the grace of, of Yeshua and choosing you know that I didn't I wanted to be done with it and having a change in my heart but <clears throat> when I was drunk, I didn't suddenly gain the ability to speak French or Mandarin or Deutsch or French or, you know, Italian or anything. I never gained a new uh, perspective of a language just because I was simply drunk. So that right there, to me, if I was, you know, around back then and someone was saying, oh, they're only saying this because they're drunk, I would have Right away, I've been like, well, when's the last time you were, got drunk and started speaking a completely different language? Not only speaking a different language, but speaking it fluently to the point where you're conveying a message for somebody to understand. It's like they were just babbling words. They were speaking a message to bring people in to the Word of God, to get them to see the power in Yeshua and Yahweh. So, the whole drunken argument, to me, just doesn't make sense, personally. All right. So, back to Peter preaching to the crowd. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And this is what it gives on to say. In the last days, God says, "I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams." So, what does that mean? Your old men will dream dreams. Okay, yeah. Well, obviously, you know, people dream all the time, but these types of dreams, I believe, it's talking about prophetic dreams. Prophetic dreams, dreams of things that are to come to pass shortly. You know, towards the end of the days dreams that you know are going to show what's going to start occurring in the world and what's going on with the earth um, you know maybe v- dreams and visions of the heavens opening you know Armageddon it could be a number of but the point is people are going to start having dreams about this stuff and as well as prophesizing and sons and daughters so we'll be prophesizing, and young men will have visions so a vision or a dream, right? So a vision, I believe, is something that is shown to you when you're in a conscious state, when you're awake, when you out of nowhere you just have a thought or a group of thoughts that come out of nowhere and they make sense, though, you know, and you see this thing, and maybe you don't, don't make sense of it at the time with whenever the vision is happening, but whenever you see things start to occur... That line up with the vision that you had those thoughts you had Then you realize that it's a vision okay? And same with like prophetic dreaming Because I've had a prophetic dream A time or two in my life And I didn't always realize at the time it was a prophetic dream But then later in life When things occurred I could see that that dream meant That this was going to happen That was a prophetic dream I was having About this particular incident Or this particular event or this time period in my life you know, or, or people in my life, um, and I know that's not a gift that everybody ha- has, but it says in the end of days that He's going to pour His Spirit out on to humankind to show us that the end is coming. So, if you yourself or anybody you know starting to have prophetic dreams, maybe they've never had it before in their life, starting to have visions, people are starting to prophesy, talking about things that have yet to come to pass, but then do come to pass. It's really time to open your eyes because I personally think we are living in the end days. I wouldn't be surprised if the current state of humanity makes it to 2035 without complete Armageddon and total destruction happening on the earth in the rapture. I would be be pleasantly surprised if the current state we're in in this world, if we make it to 2035. That being said, move one of on the next. Okay, so this is Acts chapter 2, verse 15 then. in those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesize. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. Blood and fire and clouds will become, become so. Now listen to this next verse. This is very interesting, especially with what's going on right now with them attempting to block out the sun and the sun's rays. And this was written over 2,000 years ago, the Bible. And yet, what I'm about to read describes something that is occurring today, currently. The sun will become dark, and the moon will turn blood red before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. Okay, so let's think about that. So the sun's going to go dark. So it's not just going to be blocked out by these chemicals that they're spraying in the air now. You know, Bill Gates is the one leading the charge with that. You know, he feels like if he coats the atmosphere with these um, chemicals that reflect the sun rays back out, it'll help prevent global warming and climate change. Um, But to me, that sounds like blocking the sun out, making it dark. And we've had how many blood moons in the past four or five years, more than probably ever in the recorded history of mankind, on a more rapidly occurring frequency and scale. More and more every year we hear about blood moon this, full moon that, super moon this, uh, pink moon this, blood moon again, you know, and it just seems like all this is leading up to the end of days, which is where we are headed. We, as a society, cannot stop what's coming. And the people at the top know this. That's why they're trying to get everybody on board with eating bugs and, you know, reducing your carbon footprint by buying an electric vehicle because, you know, they're going to put a stop to fossil fuels and and all that. But they know that famines are coming because it's it's predicted in the end of the day there's going to be famines. So if they can get enough people on board with eating crickets before these famines occur, then they can think, oh, that's a way to prevent, you know, the famine from happening. If we can get enough people on board with eating crickets and mealworm patties, then we can hoard all the meat and the beef and the chicken and everything for ourselves so we won't have to deal with the famine that's coming to the world. And we'll get everybody else, all the peasants, you know, as they like to refer to us, you know, regular people, we'll get them to, you know, eat the crickets. And the mealworms and, you know, who knows what will come down the line next. You're going to start selling grasshopper legs, you know what I mean, as a knockoff to chicken wings and chicken legs. You know what I mean? Who, who knows? Who knows what's coming down the line next from these crazy kooks. But, I can tell you this. No matter what they try to plan for to prevent it from happening, it's still going to occur. Because it is written. And nothing can change the word of God in what is written. And what's going to happen in the end of days? Okay, that's so these people can plan all they want. They can have their underground seed vaults. They can have their militaries and their armies built up, and you know they can continue doing what it is they've been doing. It's not going to change what God has in store for them or the fate of mankind. The only thing that's going to change your fate and being thrown eternally into hell and burning in a fiery despair and pit. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and never-ending torment is to repent and give yourself over to the Messiah. To admit that you're a sinner. To ask the Messiah to come into your life and to change you wholeheartedly. Not to say, oh, I love Jesus, so I can continue to do what I want because if I say I love Jesus, I'm going to get into heaven. Now, if you love something, then you should. your actions should show that you love what you say you love. Like you wouldn't say you loved... Uh, woman or a woman or a dude, you know what I mean, whether you're male or female, listen to this, You let's say you love your significant other, and then act like they don't matter to you, continue to do things that they don't want you to do, you know, maybe, or, or, or go out of your way to, to hurt them, or, or totally go against, you know, what is going to help you grow in your relationship with that person. So if you love the Messiah, you love Yeshua, You should have a change of heart and you would want to live a life that glorifies that and that shows that you love Yeshua and that you love Jesus, you know, and Yahweh is, you know, the one that you got, you're giving glory to and everything that you do. So those that say, oh, I love Jesus. I I can do what I want. I got to get out of jail free card. That's, that's not the way it works. I mean, you really got to understand that. And it took me a little while. It took me more years than it should have to understand that. You know, I've yes, I've always had a love for Yeshua ever since I was a young young child. But I didn't always show that in my actions and the way I lived my life and the things I was doing. And I thought, oh, it's okay. Jesus knows I love him and he loves me back. But I loved the idea more of saying that I was a believer in Jesus than I actually did love Yeshua or Jesus. However you want to refer to my I like to use the word Yeshua because that's what is, you know, accurate for the time period he was alive. Um, you know, people use Jesus, use Jesus. That's fine. I'm not Yahweh. I'm not here to judge you. <coughs> Excuse me. What I'm saying though is, when you have an actual love for something or someone you make sure you show the world and the people around you that you love that thing or that person. And it shouldn't be any different with your relationship with Yeshua and Yahweh. If you love them, you should love them more than anything, even yourself, even your spouse, even your mother, even your father, because without them, nothing is possible. Glory be to God on the highest. Okay, so... <clears throat> and then it goes on to say Before the great and glorious day of the Lord rise, But everyone who calls on the name Of the Lord will be saved Okay So When you call i saying here If you call on the name of the Lord Yeshua sure, Calling on your name I'm calling on your name You know in the song Take the lead by Jimmy Levy or maybe it is Levi I'm not sure how you say his name exactly however in that moment that you're calling you must believe though you must believe that's the thing you have to believe and you have to know it in your heart of hearts that the Messiah is the true king of kings that he is the prince of all principalities he is the ruler of this earth in the end He's going to wipe out Satan and his armies on all this new world order crap and all this world economic form, like Bilderberg groups and the Bohemian Rhapsody. All that stuff is going to go down in flames and it is going to matter in the end. They think because they've had a good reign for the past 2,000 years or however long, you know, they've been doing this for. Well, Satan and them have been doing it since the beginning, of, before we were even here, before humankind even existed. Okay, so this has been their plan. They've been for... Ever now, literally, what was going to happen to them and the choice that they made? You know, and some of them realize later, hey man, this choice you made is kind of a raw deal. Like we should see if we can get back into the graces, you know, with the, with the Messiah and uh, <clears throat> see if we can somehow get back into the kingdom of heaven. Because uh, you know, they asked, they 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 pleaded with Yahweh, you know, hey. You know, we are sorry about what we did. You know, we didn't mean to screw up this badly. Is there any way that, you know, we can work this out and, you know, you can forgive us so we can get back into heaven because we know where we're headed in the end. And he said, no, you made your choice. You got to deal with it now, is what it came down to. You made the choice to rebel against me, go against me, go against everything that I had done for you, given you free will. The angels, by the way, the angels had free will. You know what I mean? They weren't robots, you know. If they didn't have free will, there would have been no way that Lucifer could have rebelled against God, you know, and led a rebellion with one-third of the angels in heaven and came to earth and corrupted mankind, you know, whenever we eventually made it to earth, you know. Um, But yeah, free will. So you have to be willing and freely give your life over to the Lord, which goes back to the free will thing. He doesn't just want some robot person, you know, following him because he demands it. He wants you to do it freely and willingly. He wants you to choose him over the world. Okay, and like I said when I I first started this, everything in the world is designed to work against you to keep you from having a relationship with Christ. Even in the days shortly after he left the earth, there were still people denying that he was the Messiah, which which is why I wanted to read from Acts. I haven't gotten too far into it, but I'm gonna continue reading here. Alright, Acts chapter G, verse 22. goes on and say, People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus of the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs for him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. <coughs> Excuse me, with the help of lawless Gentiles. You knowed him to a cross and killed him. But Yahweh released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in his grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead. Or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. See, as a believer, you don't have to suffer in death's grip. As a believer, you don't have to suffer in the the, th- the thoughts of, oh, this is the only life I have, you know, and I better make it the best life. I can, and I'm not saying, you know, as a believer, you shouldn't pursue to have a good life for yourself and your family and those you care about, but you shouldn't make your entire life about what this world has to offer you at all. It should be the opposite. You should make your life about what Jesus and Yahweh, what, you know, Yahweh will bring into your life by following and serving him. As a believer, that's what we're called to do. To put our trust and our faith in the creator. To guide us. To show us what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Not relying on our own understanding. Not relying on our own experiences. of Things that we maybe, you know, think it would be. Well, this might be better for me than that. But is that what Yahweh wants you to do? Is that what God is, is calling, you know, for you to do upon you? And not only that, but the surety and the peace and knowing that your soul, when it leaves this plane of existence, will be forever in the presence of the one that created you because he loves us, it makes me extremely happy. It feels, it elates me, it fills me with joy to know that. And it's sad. There's a few people I know that just refuse to believe that any of this is real. And, and it's sad to me and it hurts my heart. And I've prayed for these people and I've tried talking, I've talked to these people and I've asked them, you know, to think about, well, you know, things. And still they're just like, nope, it's, it's just made up. Humans are just evil. Well, yeah, humans are evil, but there's salvation in the, the Lord. And accepting and repenting to him. You know? And uh, there's some people that just think that they they, they sinned way too much. They've done horrible things. There's no way that God could love them. Because of the things that they've done. And I've tried to explain to them that... God knows everything you've done. He already knew what you did before you were going to do it. He didn't know the choice you were going to make. But he didn't know that if you made the choice to do what you're going to do then he already forgave you for that sin by dying for you but you have to accept his forgiveness by believing in him and by having a change of heart and willing to follow in his teachings and and live the life the way he asked you to live it because he made the ultimate sacrifice so so people don't want to give up don't want to sacrifice the ways of the world you know, being a believer isn't easy. It's just worth it. Um, so there are still people, like I said, a few of them I know, to think the Bible was just made up. It was just a really good book written by man. Yes, it was written by man, but the author of it is God. Okay? The author of the Bible is the Lord in heaven, the host of hosts, the almighty one. Men dictated what he put on their hearts to write and, and events that occurred in their time period to write about. But he is the author behind the words in the Bible. And they don't want to see it like that. Their hearts are hard. So I just continue to pray that the Lord soften their hearts and opens up their eyes and allows them to see the truth for what it is. Because I don't want to see these people end up in a horrible place in hell. I don't want to see them, you know, have to go through the trials and tribulations uh, and with the days of the reigns of the Antichrist, you know, and then them condemn themselves to hell for eternity by taking the mark of the beast so they can buy and sell and trade goods. You know, these are the things that are really, especially now, important, you know, to talk about with people that aren't non-believers, and, and believers alike, because, you know, maybe there's people in their lives that don't know about this, you know, that are non-believers, and think, oh man, the world's just getting crazy by the day, the governments don't know what they're doing, they're screwing up, which is true, they're doing it, it's by design. The way the world is right now, it's by design, with the powers uh, you know The principalities That are in control They want chaos in the nations They want chaos on earth Because out of chaos They can create a new order A new world order You know Where people are going to be so desperate For Leadership That they'll be willing to follow Whoever comes To save them And that's going to be the antichrist Because we're seeing this the, the Play out right in front of our, our eyes right now as believers, the whole you know agenda thing. You know, you know, I often wondered, like, you know, how could how you know? it says in the end of days that you know, kids are going to be against their parents, and brother against brother, and sister against sister, and you know, son against father, and daughter against mother, and goes on the name. You know that, and it's like, well, yeah, I understand families fight and squabble, but you know, how how are they going to be so mad at each other that you know, families around the world and Brothers against brothers and you know, all this around the world is gonna be how's it gonna be that bad that fast. Well, if you look at the current agendas being pushed, and this is just something I think I'm not saying, you know, this is gospel or hundred percent truth. It's just something I noticed myself. With all the agendas being pushed, you know, I'm sure there are many households around the world where the whole men can be women, women can be men thing being pushed they're probably this younger generation is saying yeah that's correct you know I can be whatever I want to be because that's the way I feel and then the parents the older generation like no that's not the way it works there's men and women and that's it you know what I mean like you can't just say you feel a certain way and then say you're that thing because you feel that way like some days I maybe feel like you know I don't know I don't feel like anything but myself So I don't know what type of example to use. But you can't change your biology based on your feelings. Okay, you can't. You can't can't do that. Now, I feel like that is going to be one of the things that leads to the son against the father, the brother against the brother, the mother, and just one small part of it. You know, the whole agenda thing. Because now you have schools... Teaching your kids, but you can't talk to your... But they don't want you talking to your kids and going against what they're teaching them in schools. And they don't want you to parent your kids anymore. They want to parent them, you know? And I saw, you know, earlier this week, somebody put a really good post up. To say, How is it considered sexual harassment to talk to my adult co-workers about sex and or their sex lives? But it's okay for a kindergarten, for a grown man... Dressed in trans, whatever, to go into a kindergarten classroom and talk to kids about sexuality and stuff, and that's not considered sexual harassment, and that's not looked at as wrong. But if I talk to my adult coworkers about it, it is, and and it has to get reported to HR. So that's the, that's the crazy upside world, upside down world we're living in. You know, like I said, chaos. More chaos they can create. The more desperate people are going to become, the more they're going to be looking for someone to save them, and that's when the end of Christ is going to come and step into power. And not only that, but I saw the other day that there's advertisements for the Third Temple now being displayed on different religious channels across the world, so they're already letting people know, like, we're going to start, we're going to start building the Third Temple soon. Or for anybody listening that may not know what the Third Temple is, the Third Temple will be the temple... That is built um, in the place of the original temple, it's going to be the third one constructed. The first two were destroyed. When the third temple is constructed, it will be the one that the Antichrist sits in to claim power over the earth. And they're already starting to put commercials out for it, you know. And if you go to their website, which I can't remember the name of it right now, but I think it's something along the lines of thirdtemple.org or thirdtemple.net, I mean, if you look it up. It says on their website, someone pointed out that it says on their website that it's an all-inclusive temple for all religions around the world. Very much sounds like a one-world religion to me, you know. So that's something else that's now being publicized in the media. So there's another sign that the end of times are on their way. So for other people that say, oh, the Bible was nothing but a fairy tale book written to control mankind and scare people into, you know, living a better life... And whatever other excuse they use not to believe in it, I'm. You're wrong, and I'm not even sorry to say that. But you are wrong. You are miss. You are incorrect. The Bible is the truth. It always has been. It always will be. There are things in it that we don't understand. You know, with the way things were done two, three thousand, four thousand years ago, however long you know some of the timelines were. You know, with the stoning of women and other things of that sort. But, it was a completely different world back then. Okay? And things were a lot eviler back then. You know I mean? Things were evil nowadays. All Things were also evil back then. But we haven't gotten to the days of Noah yet. But we're getting there. We're getting there shortly. You know? So these things that were committed back then to drive evil out and keep evil away were necessary and were done for a reason. They weren't just done to be done. Alright. So originally, the, back to the point though, as a believer, death will not hold you. Okay? You are given eternal life in paradise. And the angels turned against that. You know, they were like, ah, oh, well, sick, of, you know, sick of living up here and having I think I'm going to go down to earth and defile the human DNA try to usurp Adam's throne take over the world for myself you know that was one of the biggest sins they committed was coming in here and meddling with our DNA creating the race of the giants and the Nephilim and then the offspring those that their offspring had creating these hybrid creatures and different things of mythology which is actually, you know a lot of truth to that more than it is mythological you know, I heard someone once say that in Greece, it's not looked at as Greek mythology they, t- they teach it as history although all the mythological creatures that we look at over here such as the Titans and Her- Heracles, Hercules Zeus, Poseidon they teach that as history over there as real history because it really happened. But in America, we've been told it's all mytholo- mythology, that that stuff never occurred. That was just fantasies and fable stories made to entertain the masses and people. Well, it was true. There's real truth to that. Okay. Right, All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David... I wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on this throne, on his throne. Sorry. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this. Now he is exalted to the place of the highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So that actually give... Anybody listening, encouragement. I know it certainly gives me encouragement. That all these enemies that are coming against us, the world, Satan, Satan's followers, all those that come against us will be defeated in the end. God has the final victory. He has the final say. He already knows what is going to happen for It It is written. So no matter how much the world attacks you, no matter how much Satan tries to beat you down, no matter how much temptation tries to come at you and ruin your life and take you off the path that you want, on, maybe you stumble a little bit, don't stay down. You get back up and you keep fighting and you keep moving forward and you keep working with the Lord for a glorious day of honor for him and us as believers Because, in the end, they will all be defeated. Wiped out. Finito. Done. Dunzo. Gone. Alright. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Yeshua, whom crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. ...whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other, possible, other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Yeshua, says Jesus Christ, but I'm using this from Yeshua, because like I said, that's how I prefer to refer to him. For the forgiveness of your sins... Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, to those far away. Far away, our generation, us. And generations that came before us, obviously. That were after, you know, their generations. All have been called by the Lord our God. Our God. Okay, I want to make, want to make that clear. that that's This is our God. Our God is the God of gods. Okay, Because there are other gods out there. Like I was just talking about a little bit ago. You know, Zeus, Moloch, Baal, Osiris, Thor, Poseidon, Onan. Many different names. All of them fallen angels that were able to perform miracles and wonders on this earth and trick people into following them and leading them away from God, the true God. Okay? I lost my place um, Okay, then Peter continued preaching for a long time strongly urging all his listeners save yourselves from this crooked generation those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all so in one day one day Peter was able to save three about 3,000 souls that's just in one day and we claim to be believers in Christ. How many souls have we saved in a lifetime? Mean, it's not about how many souls we see, but rather, how often are we witnessing the people? How often are we taking the time out of our day to tell people the good news about the Lord? Whether we be looked at and ridiculed and laughed at or not, and mocked. It says that we're going to be mocked. It says we'll be ridiculed and laughed at. It says that, but it doesn't say not to do it. It still says to do it. Because it is better to save one soul for the kingdom of heaven than it is to go your whole life and never try and not and not save any as a believer. Now it doesn't say that anywhere in the, in the Bible, as far as I'm aware. I'm just saying that. That's me saying that. That even if you ever save one soul for the kingdom of heaven in your entire life, which I hope it would be more than that, but even if it is only one. It's still better than not saving any, than never talking to anybody about it. Why would you keep your faith to yourself with something you love so much and you know the joy it brings you? Why would you want to keep that to yourself? You should want to tell people about it. You should want to bring people into the kingdom of Christ. You should want people to be saved. Now, whether or not they choose to follow and accept Christ is their choice. But you still should be telling people people about it. You should still be letting people know that you were a witness for Christ here to serve His purpose and to try to save souls. Not your purpose, but His purpose. Alright. right, Read a little bit more, talk a little bit more, and then we'll see, how, we'll see where it goes from there. All right. The believers form a community. This is Acts chapter 2, Verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to fellowship and sharing of in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. How many. Would will be willing to sell everything they owned and go serve the Lord because he put it on your heart to do that? Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing to take that step? Would you trust in the Lord enough to sell everything you owned and in the money you did have, give right back to the needy, the people that needed it more than you did, and trust that the Lord's going to take care of you? because if you're called to do that and you're a believer in the Lord if you believe in Christ and you believe in God and you believe in Him wholly and fully that shouldn't even be a question that shouldn't even be a debate you know and Satan will be like oh but if you do that you won't have this you know you won't have your car anymore you won't have a house to come back to you you know your family will think that you're crazy people will think that you know you're, you're ridiculous for doing that like, why would you do that? Why would you give up everything you've worked so hard for? Just to go follow a, a, a dream that might, you know. And he's going to try to plant these seeds of doubt in you in whatever way he can. You know, there's going to be stumbling blocks along the way to, to deter you from the path that the Lord sets you on. But it's a matter of getting over those stumbling blocks and continuing to work for the Lord and for his purpose. And he will have your back. He will be there for you. He will never forsake you or leave you. especially if you are on the path that He puts you on, okay? Because the path that He puts you on is far better than any path that you can see for yourself. No matter how much notoriety, fame, wealth you may gain from whatever path you put yourself on, that in the end is not going to save your soul. It's not going to give you eternal life. It's not going to grant you a place in heaven. If you're following what the Lord sets in your heart to do and, and you follow that path and you pursue it with diligence... And it will bear fruit beyond your own recognition. Beyond anything that you can comprehend. The fruit that we bear from it be far greater than that you could have ever conceived yourself. So keep that in mind. If you, if you feel a calling in your heart to give up all your possessions and sell everything and move to a distant land and start mission, uh, being a mission for the Lord or you know, starting a church or even doing something like I'm doing. Just reading the Bible and giving examples on things. I mean I feel like the Lord wanted me to do this. That's why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to gain fame or notoriety or anything like that. I'm doing this because I feel like the Lord wanted me to do this. I've been putting it on my heart for a while now. And I of course I had to see well, I don't have this set up, or I don't have anybody to to, you know, discuss topics with about things, or I don't, you know, know if people are gonna want to receive this. And then he put all that doubt on my mind and said, just do it. Just do it. Because once you start doing it, it'll be worth it. And I can, I can tell you right now, I already feel 10 times better about doing this. Because when I woke up this morning, I was like, ah, you know. Today's the day I said I was going to get started with this. But, you know, I got this to do. And I got, I got laundry to get done. And I got to make sure I do this today, too. And I was like, oh, what if I don't get around to it? And I kept down, like, what if I don't get around to it? And then the Lord kept saying, whispering, "Hey, I want you to do it. You should do it. You know." And then I had the doubts. You know, Satan, Lucifer, whoever were referred to, it, saying, "Oh, well, you may not have time to do it, or you know, what if, what if, what about this?" And so they and they were a lot louder in my head than the little voice saying, "Do it, do it, do it." And now I'm doing it, and that little voice is happy. And I'm happy. And I feel great. So, whatever he may be calling you to, even if it's something that you feel is insignificant, you know, donating a couple bucks to a charity, or, you know, volunteering at a homeless shelter or soup kitchen, or donating, you know, clothes that you no longer wear to help people out, or opening your home, you know, to... Bring homeless people in to offer them free showers and a hot meal, you know, a couple times a week. Or whatever it is, you know, or helping children in whatever way you can. Even if you feel like it's going to fail or it's not going to work or, you know, you don't have the resources to do this or you don't have the time for it, just do it and see what happens, especially if it's God calling you to do it. Because if He's calling you to do it, then He already has a way planned for you to make it happen. He already has the path set for you. You just have to take that leap of faith and step into it. Okay. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Okay, so they give up the worldly possessions. To be able to save more souls and to save more people and bring them into the kingdom of God. Because everything in this world passes away. Everything that you accumulate in this world passes away. Even if you get rich beyond belief. When you die, you cannot take a single cent of that with you. Okay, yes, it may get passed down to your grandkids, your kids, and things of that sort. But they can't take it with them either. And yes, it may allow them to build a nice life and it will allow them to live a little bit of luxury and comfortable. And I understand that. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But when you put that stuff above God's plan for you, that's when it's a problem. When you put the world's accomplishments above what God wants you to accomplish in your life, that's when it becomes an issue. If you're doing what God wants you to do, and you are succeeding in God's plan for your life, by following what he's asked you to do, then the other things will follow. You may not be uber rich. You may not have like a lavish lifestyle, but you will be comfortable, and you will be taken care of, and you'll have people that love you, and people that care about you and want the best for you. And that's more valuable than any type of riches in the world. Okay? So you have to understand that by putting God first, the other things will follow, in time, in God's time, with God's plan. But when you put God on the back burner to pursue, a, to pursue this life goal instead, and say, "I'll get to God later," I gotta, I gotta build up, you know, these two companies and launch this other business, or I gotta make sure I have five cars in my garage, or I gotta get married and then I gotta get, the, I gotta get the wife and the house and the kids and make sure my career's in a certain spot before I can give any time to God because my time is being consumed by my career right now. That's what's important to me is I got to make sure I get this far in my career so the world will look at me and be like, oh, that's an accomplished man right there. That's an accomplished woman right there. Look at what they did. But is the world's opinion going to save your soul? Is the world's opinion going to keep you from going to hell? No. The plain and simple answer is no. Nothing in this world can save your soul from going to hell. Nothing that you accomplish in this world can save you from going to hell. The only thing that can save a person, you, me, or anybody else from going to hell is to believe in the Messiah, accept his grace, repent for the sins that we have committed because we're all born sinners. I myself am guilty of numerous sins. Numerous sins. From the time I was a young child to... So today, you know, I'm I'm making more of an effort to not to know, to be a light of Christ in my community. To be someone that people look at and say, Oh, that's a that's a believer right there. That's a believer right there. The way he's living his life, he's a believer. You can tell by his fruits. And I haven't always always lived that way. I mean, I'm going to be honest, I haven't always lived that way, you know. I've done numerous things in my life that God is more than ashamed of for me doing. Especially since I gave my life to Christ at such a young age. You know, but then I got older. I got influenced by the world. All my friends are doing this, so I better do it, so I'm cool. You know, oh, well, that looks like fun, so I better try that. Because if not, then, you know, people are going to think I'm weird. You know, I let the world dictate my actions. instead Instead of letting God dictate my actions to be a light in this world. I never stopped loving God. never stopped loving the Messiah. I stopped living for God. And I stopped living for the Messiah. So, yes, I loved them, but I didn't love them the way I should have been loving them. You know, I was like, oh, if someone would ask me, do you believe in Jesus? The answer was always yes, without a doubt. Yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe he's real. And people would ask me, why do you believe God's real? Why do you believe in Jesus? And I would give them examples. You know, good, solid examples. And most of the time, i like, oh, okay, well, I can understand that. Yeah, I can, I can see why you believe in God and why you love Jesus. But then my actions weren't showing it, you know. My actions weren't showing it. Not that I was doing... Anything that would be considered satanic or demonic But I was still sitting against God, you know Out getting drunk And hooking up with different girls And spending time, you know More worried about How to make money than I was about my walk with Christ You know, or Trying this drug or doing that drug, you know um, just 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 be like oh I, I just wanted to try to see what it was like you know that was my that was my excuse. So I wanted to try it just to have the experience to see what it was like. you know and but there's also been times where I showed up and said no, I'm not doing that you know because because I knew it was just wrong and you know and I'm not gonna go into detail. but there have definitely been times where I stood up with my belief in Jesus in Yeshua, the Messiah. And sheriff said, "No, I'm not doing that. That's no." But there were also times where I could have said that, and I was thought to myself, "Well, it's not that bad, you know." And and and, you know, God will forgive me. So if I do it and ask for forgiveness, it'll be okay. The thing about forgiveness is, though, yes, God will forgive you for something that you do, if it's if it's you know, a mistake you made, and you truly are repentant. You truly be repentant for the sin you committed to be forgiven. It's, which means you have to strive to never commit that sin again in repentance. Not just, oh, well, I can do this today, ask for forgiveness, do it again tomorrow, ask for forgiveness. Do, you know, get drink three-fifths of liquor today or whatever, you know, just using that as an example. And then if tomorrow I wake up feeling like crap off, God for forgiveness, you know, and help forgive me for it. Because that's the way he works as he loves me. And then I'm just going to get drunk again tonight. And then after I do that, you know, I'll just ask him, you know, I'm just using that as an example. There's many other things out there, whether it be porn, like, oh, if I look at porn and get off, you know, I'll just ask God to forgive me and he'll forgive me for it. And then, you know, if I do it again, I'll just ask for forgiveness again. And that's the wrong way to go about forgiveness. If you are truly want to be forgiven for something, then you have to repent for what you did. And when you repent something, you admit that it was wrong. It was a mistake that you made and that you're ashamed for what you did. And then you're going to work your hardest to not make that sin again. To not make that mistake again, commit that sin again. That is what repentance is about. And forgiveness comes with repentance. You don't forgive, you don't you don't ask for forgiveness without repentance. Okay, and that's something that I, I myself didn't, I'm sure I realized it, but I didn't understand it. You know, I realized like, oh, you know, I need to make sure that I'm not doing this. And if I ask God to forgive me, then I should try not to do it again. But I wasn't doing that. You know, I would do something, you know, and ask God to forgive me. And then a day or two later, I'd do the same exact thing. And I'd feel bad about it for a little bit. And I'd ask God to forgive me. And then I wouldn't feel bad anymore. But God, oh, you know, God forgive me. I don't feel bad about it. So it must not be that big of a deal. When I was just fooling myself, I was just tricking myself into thinking, it's okay. God, God will forgive me. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's okay if I lie every once in a while. God will forgive me. It's okay if I look at porn, God'll forgive me. It's okay if I get drunk, God'll forgive me. It's okay if I snort a line or two of cocaine here and there, God'll forgive me. It's okay if I trip every once in a while on acid or whatever, God'll forgive me. And that's not that's not the way it should be. It should be well, God loves me and I love God, so I don't even want to touch that stuff because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't wanna I don't wanna drink, you know what I mean, because I'm I'm already filled with a nick uh, with the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with his cup is overflowing in me. I don't need any poison from the world. God will sustain me, you know. I mean, yes, you know, I am a man and you know, yeah, I have the world tells you all you're a man, you have needs. It's okay to release those urges every once in a while. And like I said at the beginning, the everything in this world is designed to work against you and your relationship between you and the Messiah. Everything in this world is controlled and designed right now by Lucifer and his armies to pull people away from Messiah. And pull people away from Yahweh. Because the more souls he can take to hell with him, the more victory he feels he's won. He He feels that he's won some kind of victory in the end if he can pull all these souls away from the creator. Which is why everything in this world is designed to trip you up as a believer and get you to fail. You know what I mean? Which is why there's so much evil out there. And being put in your faces everywhere you turn. All the time. Because it want, the, the world wants you to slip up. The world wants you to give in. The world wants you to say, oh, you know, I can't do this anymore. I'm just going to give up. You know? And then the people that don't even believe in the Messiah and the Creator. You know, those people, they, they just... Go through life thinking it's all a joke. Oh, you know, when you die, you just go into a dark darkness. That's all it is. It'll be the same as before you were born. You won't know anything. Well, I feel that that, that's wrong. Because when you're born, that's when your spirit, your soul is awakened. Okay, so your soul is alive. Your spirit is alive and it's not going to be killed when you die. The only thing that leaves... And it stays forever. continues to live is your soul, is your spirit. You know. So I just want to end on this today: is don't be deceived by the wicked ways of the world. Don't be led astray. You know. Don't think it's okay that just because you say you love Jesus, you can continue to sin, and that you can continue to, you know, live a blasphemous life against God because oh, I would just ask Jesus to forgive you and it'll be okay. You've got to learn to love God the way He loves you. To have a relationship with Him. You got to learn that you're going to have to sacrifice some things in this life if you want to be closer to God because the world is designed to keep you away from Him. You know, you got to realize that reading your Bible is important. Staying in the Word of God is important. Prayer is important. This world isn't important. This world is going to be gone just like that. Just as quick as it came to existence, it's going to be gone again. And it's going to be reformed for the believers. We're going to be living on paradise on earth, true Eden. You know, I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait. But until then, I'm going to continue to try to save as many souls as I can. And I hope... That people find comfort in this. And I hope that people listen to this, think about some of the things I said and give some new perspective on things to think about. The world is not designed to make it easy to be a believer. Okay? It hasn't been since Satan fell from heaven and came to earth. I Satan and his demons hate us, they hate humankind, they hate humanity. Okay? We were made from dirt. Adam, first human, created from earth, created from the mud. God breathed air to him, brought him to life. You know, we weren't made beautiful like the angels. We were made from something to be beautiful. We were made from the dirt and the earth to be beautiful by having a relationship with God. And I don't know if I said that right. I think it's lost in misinterpretation. But, you know, the angels were made beautiful from the very beginning. Not that we as humans aren't beautiful. We are made from the mud of the earth. Adam was formed from the mud of the earth. And God breathed life into him. So God took a dirty situation and renewed it and made it clean. Okay. And that's what he's trying to do in your life. If you were born a sinner. He wants to take your sinful life and renew it and make you clean in his image. So that way you can enter into a state, a relationship with him. Right? So don't let the world tell you that you've done too many wrong things, that God would never forgive you. Don't let the world tell you that it's not possible to be forgiven because maybe you had an abortion, or maybe you've been a drug addict for 15, 20 years, or maybe you know you murdered someone, or maybe you raped someone, or maybe you were raped, or, you know, I don't know the situation, whoever's listening to this, I don't know what situation you may be in or may not be in, but don't let the world tell you that you're unredeemable and unforgivable, because in God's eyes, it's never too late until you draw your last breath. But when you accept the gift of the Messiah, when... You ask Jesus into your heart and your soul and to cleanse you and you repent of your sins you you committed. You have to make a commitment to live a life worthy of you know showing the world that you're a believer in Christ, that you're a light in this world of ever-growing darkness. That's what it is. You can't just say the words and not mean it. You can't just talk the talk. You also have to walk the walk and live the life. And know that the world is going to come against you. The Satan's going to try to beat you down and get you to trip up on that path and give up and say, this is too hard. But remember, with Christ, all things are possible. Through Christ who strengthens me, all things are possible. Okay? All right. With that being said, I'm going to be done. I hope whoever listens to this enjoyed it. If you have any questions... Um, can always send an email to wizdomspks 8 At gmail.com Again that's says wizdomspks 8 At gmail.com um, going to try to get a different Email address set up for this account Alright I hope you all enjoyed it God bless I love you God loves you. All right, I'm out.